0: Okay, so we're moving on from our discussions about liability in the absence of a promise or a bargain for exchange, because that's what a promise is, it's a bargain for exchange, and now we're going on to talk about liability in the absence of acceptance, meaning there was no acceptance, so do we enforce this contract? And, of course, the easiest way to do this would be to say, yes, I accept, or before an acceptance is made, or I withdraw it's very easy to make those distinctions and what we're going to be talking about are going to be remedial methods of enforcement if this wasn't done properly to begin with so what are some ways that we can find enforcement for acceptance well the first thing that we're going to be focusing on is an option contract and option contracts are in two places in the restatements there's section 45 and there's section 87 and the option contracts that we're talking about here is in section 87, which I think really just means it's written down. There's a couple of additional things to say that there's an option. Well, what is an option contract? Well, an option contract is where the promiser is pretty much saying, I will not revoke my offer within a certain time frame. And if I revoke my offer within that time frame, I can be bound to keep that promise So, what do you do if a person goes ahead and develops an option contract, wants out of the option contract, and then the person still wants to be, the promisee, so to speak, still wants to utilize that option? Well, it all depends on consideration. Is there consideration in this case? And what we're talking about to promote that, not promote, but really focus on that issue is Berryman versus Mosh. Mosh? Mosh. We'll say Mosh. And what happened here is that Berryman wanted to sell some land, and Mosh was a potential buyer. And Berryman gave him an option. But Mosh did not utilize that option for a while. And so Barryman was like, okay, well, I want out of this option contract. He notified that to Kamash I'm going to say Kamosh, I don't know. And Mosh said, no, I, I'm not going to let you out of this. But eventually, Barryman went and sold the property to another person... And Mosh, probably figuring this out, went to the bank, learned that he had sold, and then decided to enforce his option, utilize his option. The court said that no, you can't utilize this option because even though you talked about consideration, this is in section 87, there needs to be a written down purported consideration, even though you talked about it, you actually didn't pay the consideration. And so this all could have been resolved for Mosh if he had paid the $10 to keep his option open. The reason why you have that is you're pretty much paying for an option. It's minimal, but you can say it's somewhat of a down payment, but not quite. The big takeaway from this is you need to pay the consideration if you're going to have a purported consideration. Here, because that was not paid the consideration was not present, and the contract option was not enforceable. So that's options. Let's move on to offers reliance on an unaccepted offer as a limitation on revocability. And what that is just saying, can we revoke if the person has not accepted the offer? And typically, most of the time, the answer is going to be Yes, you can, ex- you can revoke as long as there is no acceptance. But there are maybe a couple of circumstances where acceptance is going to be irrelevant, so to speak. And we have two cases that seem contradictory on its face and that discusses where acceptance had occurred. Or rather, acceptance had not occurred yet before the revoke had happened. In one case, the person was bound. And in the other case, the person was not bound to that acceptance. So James Baird Co. versus Gimbal Brosing, this is a construction situation. James Baird is a general contractor and gathers a bid while he's preparing a bid for the city of Philadelphia to build a building. And he's gathering information. He's reaching out to subcontractors to get a bid from them. So, Baird wants this project, he's sending a bid, and he's gathering bids from subcontractors who are going to work for him. So it's like a hierarchy. City hires Baird, Baird hires subcontractors, and you do all this hiring through the bidding process. And whoever typically has the lowest bid is who is going to end up being hired. Well, Baird goes through this process, he gets a bid from Gimbal Bros, and they made a mistake. They accidentally bid 50% less of what they meant to bid, meaning that Baird was going to get a huge discount and not really realize it. Well, Baird put this into his proposal and his bid and sent that to the city of Philadelphia. Turns out, he got the bid. But before he got the bid, and before he accepted the Gimbal Bros bid offer, Gimbal Bros informed Baird of of their mistake and said, our bid is not a good bid. We revoke that offer, so to speak. We withdraw that. The court here said, yes, you can withdraw that. No, you're not gonna be held to hold up to that promise that you made in that bid and that mistake and they use section 87 to really figure that all out. Of course the easiest way to have done this is if the contractor had said I accept before the supplier had said I withdraw because obviously we're talking about a lack of acceptance and if there's a lack of acceptance well, the easiest way to fix that problem would to be actually accept before withdrawal occurs. Okay, we have a second case, Drennan versus Star Paving Co. Similar situation, similar cases. General contractor preparing a bid. Star Paving Co. is a subcontractor and they put forth a bid. And the contractor prepares their bid, sends it forward, go gets a response saying yes you you are going to be the general contractor, and so he goes to start paving Co to inform him to inform them that they're going to be paving for him, and they said, "Oh, we made a mistake, we bid too low." and we we can't stand up to that offer, and they refused to do the work for the price that had been given. Well, the contractor had to go find another person who was not nearly as cheap uh, and sued, start paving for damages for not holding up to their side of the bargain. The court in this case uses section 90, which is a promissory estoppel argument. And I believe The reason why and the well the holding in this case was that star paving had to pay damages if we're not holding up to their side of the promise and it's because drennan relied on that promise to their detriment because they got the bid and then they were out money because star paving wouldn't hold up to their side of the thing And so there was a detriment, and because of this, because of the reliance made on this promise, there was a purported acceptance. For these reasons, Drennan could hold Star Paving liable for the damages, even though they had not accepted the agreement previous to the withdrawal. All that is to say that there are certain circumstances where there is liability, even if there is not acceptance of the promise. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Law Schoolers. Before I let you go, there are four things I want to say. The first thing is if you enjoyed these episodes and if you enjoyed the website, I would invite you to go and join Law Schoolers Pro, and you can do that by going to LawSchoolers.com slash join. It's a way for you to support us, but there's also a lot of features there that I think you will enjoy. Second thing is that nearly all of our episodes are unedited. The only ones that aren't are pre-law materials, and the reason for that is so you can actually see the legal material in its raw form as I'm learning it as well. The third thing is that the information contained in these episodes are specifically only for educational purposes. They're not to be used as legal advice. And with that, the fourth thing is, if it is used as legal advice, we are not liable. That is, law schoolers is not liable for any legal outcomes. Thank you again for enjoying the show. Have a good one.